It's the TEH Podcast, episode number 162. I'm Leo Notenboom of AskLeo.com. And I'm Gary Rosenzweig of MacMost.com. So it's been kind of a quiet week in technology. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, I did hear this one story, this guy that uh, he's like a car enthusiast who builds these really big model rockets. Um, <laughs> apparently he bought Twitter. Yeah. It's, <laughs> it's, it's pretty amazing when it, just anybody can come out and say, okay, yeah, I would like to buy this thing. I didn't know. I didn't know it was for sale. I would have, I, I didn't, I didn't read how much it went for, but there's a, I've there's saved actually, some money. There's a great meme running around about, you know, somebody looking puzzled at their computer screen saying, why would anybody buy Twitter? You can download it for free in the app store. <laughs> so, <laughs> that's a good one. So um, yeah, obviously yeah. that's our, that's our, our big thing of the week um, is, is Elon Musk having purchased or in the process of purchasing Twitter. Mm-hmm. I've seen various descriptions of timelines, um, you know, it'll take something like four, five, six months before the deal actually closes. But my guess is that his influence begins immediately, mm, uh, either yeah. directly or indirectly, and certainly uh, his influence on things like the stock price and, as it turns out, Twitter alternatives. <laughs> and um, so, so yeah, let's uh, let's talk a little bit about that. There's, like you say, there's a lot to be unpacked here. Well, mostly, I mean, having to do with the things he's already said he wants to change about Twitter, because that's where, like, you and I, as like tech guys, we can really come in. Because we're not going to talk about the financial, you know, how is this going to affect the stock market? Oh heck no, um, that kind of thing. And and uh, you know, but we really do have a, a better understanding of certain like technical aspects of like how Twitter works and everything. And how how his uh, his ideas may actually be implemented, or if they should be or shouldn't be, and all of that. Um, yeah, I've seen a it, lot of a lot of feedback. A lot, obviously, there's been a ton of commentary online about all this, and yeah. the feedback ranges from yay to you know, oh my gosh, it's the end of the world. Oh yeah, a lot of um, end of the world stuff. Yeah, and it's it's also the case where. The people there's some people making some really good points that some of the things that he's suggesting have been tried before and failed, or that he doesn't really understand all the ramifications of what he's suggesting. I mean, mm. some of the things that he has said have seemed very, very simple, and yet once you dig down into the ramifications, even the second, third order ramifications of what happens, um, it's not that simple at all. No, uh, and we could start uh, digging down into some of the some of the things that we know because a lot of this coverage has been on, you know, here's what Musk said he wants to, you know, the changes he wants. So we kind of had this idea of his to do list, right? Which is a strange thing. Um, <laughs> and you know, so like looking at some of them, like the first one, just an easy one here, uh, you know, the edit button thing. Now, we already know Twitter's been working on an edit button for a long yes. time. Yes. So it's going to be the kind of thing where they're going to implement it like next month, and then he's going to get all the credit for all this work <laughs> that's been done. But, you know, the, the an edit button, of course, you know, that's what you do when you have a tech, uh, like a tech puzzle, and you want to make it sound like this should be simple. Just put the word button after it. There should be an undo button or an edit button or, a you know, whatever. It's of course way more complex than that. Uh, well, because, and there's so many ways to get it wrong. Oh yeah, right? it, it, so you post something, and somebody responds to what you post, and then you change your original post, and now they look like an idiot from their response. You know, there's right. things like that. Um, the way you deal with that, of course, wikis have been dealing with it for a long time, is to have a history 
So right. you could go and see, oh, this post has been edited. There's a little edit button. You can see there are three past versions. There was just a, oh, a spelling mistake and a grammar change here, and then mm -hmm. a little bit added for clarity. Okay, now I see what's going on here in the edits. And that's almost certainly the way it's got to go. You can't just change it and you don't know what the original was or there's no way to look that up. I would certainly hope so. And I have to say that if I'm not mistaken, Facebook operates exactly as you described. You can edit your post, you can edit mm -hmm. your comment, but there is somehow a way to go back and see what it used to say. Yeah. And yes, that's absolutely critical for more than just making sub some subsequent person look stupid. Um, it's, it's more a case of accountability. Um, if you say something, if you post something publicly one day and then change it to say something completely different, you don't want that to be an opportunity to gaslight people and say, hey, I never said that. Right. And you have to alert people that have responded in any way. Um, you know, there has to be like a new set of notifications, not just, you know, because you could turn off and say, you know, I'm going to respond to what this person said. I don't want to hear any more about it. Right. It's one of those things where a million people are responding and you don't want to hear every time somebody else responds or, you know, the thread grows. But there has to be a new level of if the original tweet, the one you're responding to, is changed, then yes, get a notification so you can go back to your reply and then take appropriate action, uh, changing your reply or adding another reply or whatever it is, because you don't want the kind of the rug pulled out from underneath exactly. you and you don't even yep. know. Yep. And I have to say that, you know, when we talk about these kind of nuances to something as simple as an edit button, supposedly they've been working on this for what, a year, year and a half? Yeah, I like can that. see why. Because doing things like keeping an audit log of all the changes, well, that's new infrastructure that they have to implement. Making a different kind of notification, if that's something they like to do, that's more infrastructure that has wide ranging ramifications across all of Twitter, not just you know the ability to edit a post. So yeah. But it's, yeah. it's all doable and I'm sure yep. it mostly has been, and they're probably have been testing it for a while. Um, another, I think similar one is the idea of long form tweets. You know, we had 140 characters originally, moved to 280 characters. But despite that, you know, a lot of what I read on Twitter is these multi-post threads, you know, right. 20 right. ways to do something or whatever. And it's 20 different tweets right. and you kind of have to read through it. And it's kind of awkward. And I, I think to for me, the original 140 characters and then going to 280 was to get us all to be like, this is what Twitter's for. Just short little things usually. Right. Um, that's done. Like it's embedded now. This is what Twitter is, right? I think if they just remove the limit and let you post articles, like whole, like, you know, things that are many, many paragraphs long, um, I don't think it would change what most people do most of the time. And I think only a small minority of people would actually write entire things that they would then post. And I think they would quickly find that people don't read them. <laughs> right. Exactly. Yes. Um, you yes. know, so a self-correcting problem, but you could, if you wanted to post like 20 things, 20 ways to whatever you could do it. And then you find out nobody wants to read that, or maybe they do. And you kind of continue on with your Twitter account. Well, you, okay. You go, audience. you take the article, you repost it as 20 individual tweets. Maybe. Way, I mean, maybe. And then well, it's weird changes. because that I, I would claim that um, certainly with the short attention span mindset that Twitter encourages mm -hmm. um, 20 individual tweets are somehow easier to consume than one big piece of content. 
Um, it's interesting because, of course, TikTok is going down the throat as well, right? Their, yeah. The initial videos were, what, 30 seconds long at most, and then they were a minute, and now I think we're up to three minutes. Well, 10 minutes now, actually. Is it now 10 it's minutes? Three yeah. minutes for most people, and they've been rolling out 10 minutes, and I've been dying for them to add that to my account. And I, because to try to get my videos down to three minutes is tough. I, and usually, I, if I had like four or five, like, you know, but I, I include a lot in them. And I understand they may not get the same kind of audience. I was going to say, I, I find myself looking at some of these videos and thinking, oh, how far is that progress bar moving? Oh, dear. It's that oh, long yeah. flick. I'm gone. Right. <laughs> <laughs> well, my hope, my hope is, is that it's simply, you know, if it's interesting enough, I'm going to show you how to do this. And right. it's like, oh, I need how to need to know how to do that, that you're not going to be bothered by the long progress bar right, right. because I'm actually showing you stuff. But I think, I think the long form tweets, I mean, just do it. If you look at something like medium, you know, where people mm-hmm. can post art, kind of like Twitter, but with articles right. uh, in a way, uh, the interesting thing is that so many of those articles are so short compared to what some older sites that still post like longer articles that, you know, the way we're used to them 10, 20 years ago, mm-hmm. you know, sometimes I go to medium and say, well, this is interesting. And I read a paragraph, a couple paragraphs, and then I'm done. I'm like, what, uh, where's the other part of this article? Oh, right. it's only four paragraphs long. All right. Um, yeah. Yeah. that's fine. So, so I, I think well, it'll be fine. Long form tweets are another example of, um, things that seem very simple in context, right? Without context, you know, change that 100, I thought it was 130, but 140 to 280, and now change the 280 to be, you know, a couple K or or uh, or something, some really large number. Yeah. There has to be an upper limit. Once again, understanding how software is developed, it seems that that could have some dramatic ramifications on Twitter's underpinnings, not just the user interface, but the fundamental data model that they're using to store all of these tweets. Remember, they're t- they're taking a tremendous amount of data in real time. It's phenomenal how many tweets are coming in and going out in real time. So they have had to have tweaked their database and their entire structure to be extremely fast. And this kind of a change is another one of those that could have dramatic ramifications um, on the, you know, on what's going on under the hood um, if it's not done properly. Right. And, uh, and that leads us to one that is probably the only thing that everybody could like out of what Musk wants to do, defeat the spam bots. Um, so yeah, sure. I'm sure that's easy, right? That's a piece of cake. <laughs> Uh, yeah, YouTube's fact, why doing did, a great why job. haven't they yeah. thought of that before? Why haven't they just, you know, done that? I'm sure it's just like a switch. It's probably go ask YouTube. They need to defeat the spam bots button and then they press the button. <laughs> um, the, uh, you know, it's probably just a matter of prioritizing that. Uh, I want to talk a little bit later about user authentication, but that's mm-hmm. part of it. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's also a lot that could, you know, he, I guess. I guess the idea is defeating the spam bots is possible, but expensive. So maybe having financial independence um, is one of those key things that expensive helps. Expensive in what way? Uh, just it might require a lot of moderators. It might require just a really big team of people to just be like on top, not just of like moderating individual like posts, but like a, just a, a defeat the spam bots team that is just right. there. And it's like, here's one that, you know, we've detected one, review it, kill it, you know, uh, kill that IP address or 
blacklist given, it. And given Musk's of- leanings, I would really be surprised if he threw people at the problem. My yeah. suspicion is that what he would probably do, and I would actually, I would actually support this approach. This is probably the, the approach that makes the most sense overall, is now that we're getting to this point where AI is real, where machine learning <laughs> is real, have um have a front line that does that. Oh, sure. Um, it's not great today, but it could be better. And if I were going to invest, that's where I would invest. And then with that as the front line, yes, you still need people because AI will never be perfect, but you don't need as many people doing that day-to-day drudgery of having to uh, to determine whether or not a tweet or an account um, is a bot or not. Well, yeah, I think the front line is definitely algorithms. And then, but then behind that, the algorithms are going to feed a whole bunch of stuff where it's like, I'm not sure about this. Right. Um, but it's going to learn from that over time too, right? That's the whole idea behind behind AI and machine learning is not just that you feed it back to a human for review, but that you actually take their determination and you improve your uh, detection characteristics going in. So like one of the things I would like to see, and I understand why it's not done more is, you know, I've got, you know, captures you know, yes. or something like that, where it's like, you're going to post and it's like, oh, we want to make sure you're real. Give us some feedback now. I would like to see that done on a more of a delayed basis, like not, not on purpose delayed, but like you post something to Twitter, say, and the algorithms, the AIs and all that are kind of start to suspect your tweet, maybe five minutes later, maybe five hours later. And then it kicks it back to you through a notification or an email or something saying, hey, we're not sure about this tweet. We just want to make sure. And at that point, you have to go in and reconfirm that, oh, no, I'm a real person. That's really what I wanted to say and all of that. Um, because I think in a lot of cases, you know, spam bots move quickly. Right. And just actually prompting later you know, is, is going to just you know, get crickets back. Like on, I think on YouTube, this happens a lot. Like you, I see spam come in to my comments on my videos Mm -hmm. and it's like, oh, it's from this account. And if I look at the account, I could see the account appeared, spammed a bunch of different YouTube channels and it's gone. Like, I don't think the bot is ever going to log into that account again. Right. And so if you just went, if, you know, if there was something where it suspects that and it just pinged that account, hey, is this spam? It, it would be like, you know, nothing. That actually and reminds that, me of the, would... of the gray listing technique um, that's used in email. Uh, that one is, um, it's all hidden. It's it's not something that, that end users really see other than the fact that some emails take a little bit longer. But the idea is a mail server can say, hey, I've never seen you before. Mm. Would you go come back in about five or 10 minutes? And spam bots never do, right? They yes, so once exactly. you're once you've gone through, this is okay, fine. You've at least passed that first level test, right? You did come back in ten minutes, so I'm not going to ask you to wait again. But uh, for all those first contact type of attempts, uh, and I'm not saying that it'd be first contact on Twitter, but it'd be some kind of a, a criteria. Then um, you know, Twitter could do something exactly like that. They could say, "Hey, nice tweet here. Um, we'll post it in five minutes if." you come back and confirm you want it posted. Yep. So there's a lot, so there are options. There's yep. a whole arsenal of things that could be done. Um, and not uh, maybe the, the idea of the financial independence isn't so much that there's a lot of money to be thrown at it, but that you could throw money towards something that won't necessarily increase the bottom line without 
the board of directors and the stockholders caring because right. there aren't any. Right. You know, when you go and say, well, we're going to try to improve the amount of spam and there's a bottom line, you know, for the stock price and everything, you need, you know, and the quarterly results and all that, and you say, oh yeah, we're spending, you know, $500 million over here trying to reduce spam and said, well, how are we going to, that's going to earn us nothing. Don't spend the $500 million on that, spend it on something else. Right. You know, so, so anyway, uh, that could be true for any company, not just, you know, uh, Twitter, uh, yep. you know, having that private uh, having a private company rather than a public one. Um, but it does go into a little bit into the next thing, which is uh, getting rid of the ads, which is something a lot of people think that must he do. That? He's complained a lot of times about the ads on Twitter. And he just, it's, I guess, article after article seems to suggest that he wants to get rid of them. Uh, and of course, he doesn't have to worry about that bottom line as much, right? Because mm-hmm. just the quarterly financials and all that don't care anymore. So he could replace advertising with more subscription options, um, which also can help defeat spam bots and other things Yes, uh, like uh, free speech and stuff when you just can't, it's not, uh, yeah, obviously there's going to be a free way to be on Twitter, but it doesn't, it doesn't have to be as free as it is now free from a money <laughs> sense, because first of all, you could have it be, you could read Twitter as much as you want free. Right. And then maybe have a, you know, if you're the a free account, you could post, but not in the same way that maybe a uh, somebody who, you know, does social media for a living, like even you and me just wanting to post like our, our new things, our new videos, our new content mm-hmm. to our Twitter followers. We may find it worthwhile to spend a few dollars a month. Why not? Yep. Yep. People like you and me spend a few dollars a month on email while, where others don't. People like you and I spend a few months Heck, I'm spending a few months on like dictation software and uh, God, I subscribed to something else the other day. I mean, there's all these little things. Right. And so if it's a few dollars a month to be a you know a regular Twitter account, as opposed to the kind of dumbed down free account, of course, I'm, I'm going to pay that. Um, and then if you want to scale up from there and say, well, you know, there's even bigger accounts for say news organizations and uh, or companies that want to promote their products things like that, then, you know, it, it kind of keeps out, you know, it, it keeps out people that want to spam everybody. You know, if somebody wants to spam a, a breakfast cereal company wants to send out massive tweets about their breakfast cereal, they could certainly afford, you know, a hundred bucks a month or something, whatever it will be for a company that size. But if somebody wants to spam about breakfast cereal, <laughs> they're going to probably going to say hundred bucks a month. No, that's not worth it. I'll, I'll find some other way to spam everybody. Right. Um, right. So there are ways to, you know, throw that money, you know, these small money barriers in the way. Uh, and, and there are also ways for people that don't pay anything to still be heard. You know, like for instance, you could be a free account and then post something profound and then have one of those paid news accounts retweet it. Mm-hmm. At that point, it breaks through the barrier, right? Right. And so you've, you know, there's, so there are things like that. And I don't would mind more subscription options. Matter of fact, of course, you and I have talked about this before. Uh, I wish there was a subscription option for Facebook. I hate going into Facebook. The few times I do now and seeing the sponsored ads that fill my, my uh, feed. Are you uh, uh, a quick aside? Are you doing this on your desktop or on your mobile? Oh, I'm usually on a desktop. 
So but, grab grab fluff busting purity. <laughs> but I don't like doing that. I'd rather I'd rather pay a few dollars to Facebook. I understand. I absolutely. I, mean, I, w- we, I would. We both I do, do it for I'm YouTube. You. Yep. Yep. Yeah. I, 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 I'm with you. Yes. And for example, YouTube, it's worth every penny because YouTube got so obnoxious when I finally pulled the cord. But uh, since Facebook doesn't have that option, I'm just throwing it out there that there sure. are alternatives. I wish they had it. I wish Twitter had more options. And yes. I would not, you know, even if I did decided, ah, I'm not going to pay for the no ads or Twitter or what, you know, something like that. I'd still like the fact that they were there. Right. And anyway, so It'd be interesting to see what happens financially with Twitter um, in terms of like, well, how how can he afford to run it? Uh, I was going to say that there's a difference between maximizing your bottom line and meeting your costs, right? Um, It's that delta that we're really talking about because Twitter definitely has to make enough money to run at at least a break-even point. Uh, I don't think he plans to run it as a charity. but uh, to that extent, it's the difference that we're really talking about, right? They're, they don't need to make a profit once it's gone private. Right. So it'll be interesting to see. I mean, we may never even know really what's going on if it's private, uh, whether he's losing money or breaking even right, or whatever. I mean, he claims to have altruistic uh, motives here mm-hmm. saying that, you know, it's he just... He, he, Anyway, <laughs> I don't want to go too much into that. I mean, that actually goes into our next thing, which is free speech, right? So this is so the opposite of defeat the spam bots, which everybody's like, sure, just defeat the spam bots. And then free speech is a lot of people being like, yay. And a lot of people being like, whoa, wait a minute. Yeah, I think um, that's the the real, I think that's, that's the, the going the to be the real sticking, sticking point. point here. Oh, yeah. That's, I think, the big legitimate concern here. He has been uh, mad at, he's been on both sides. He's been mad at, I guess, things that have been taken down that he's posted on Twitter, I think. Mm-hmm. I mean, and he's also been mad at people who posted on Twitter about him, and he right. sued them. <laughs> right. yep. So the question is, what does he really want to do? And you know, you can't go with kind of a libertarian free speech deal here because what do you do with like child pornography and stuff mm-hmm. like that? Mm-hmm. Um, so you have to have some rules uh, what are those rules? And then how do you define free speech as opposed to like an opinion, like a political opinion, like mm-hmm. we should raise taxes and have more social services or false information, right? Like claiming the election was fixed or something like that. Right. Um, so the question is right now, Twitter will either tag stuff as being false uh, or and penalize accounts and even take them down after a while, especially when it comes to COVID information and um, things like that. Um, what do you, what do you do? Like, how, what is he really going to do with that? I mean, he might just be thinking about, uh, you know, stock market stuff yeah. and I might really care about like, Oh, all the COVID and election stuff. Yeah. No, keep, keep censoring that. That's not what I was talking about. I'm talking about the fact when I mention a stock, I want, I don't want that to be censored. The extreme um, cynic um, in me and many mm-hmm. others uh, is concerned that his definition of free speech is the speech with which he agrees. Yeah. And that's not, obviously that's not free speech, right? That just that, and that's yeah. ultimately what I've seen happen on some of the alternative platforms, right? When you take a look at um, uh, some of the Twitter alternatives, especially those have cropped up in the last few years as random politicians have been banned from Twitter and from Facebook and so forth. They claim 
open free speech. And yet, if you come in there with opinions that are um, against their popular belief, you're going to get slapped as well, right? So it's it's it really is kind of concerning that free speech may not be as free as we think it is going in, and it may be too free coming out. As you say, There's there's got to be a line somewhere. The real question is, who's drawing the line and where are they putting it? Yeah. And uh, I, I guess all we can do is wait and see. Certainly, Twitter currently and in the past has had problems with this. Mm-hmm. I mean, I've seen it. You know, I've, I, I know people that have had normal accounts with like 50 followers right. and have been banned for they have no idea what they have shown me. Hey, this is what I tweeted. I'm like, I don't know why you got banned for that. To be clear, it, though, I mean, this isn't a Twitter specific problem, right? Any yeah. social media, uh, be it Twitter, Facebook, uh, TikTok is what I'm going to talk about here in a second. Um, there's always going to be misfires. And th- the real question is when something gets removed or flagged or whatever. What's the appeals process? How transparent is it? And how accurate is it? One of the frustrating things, I keep seeing um, TikTok videos from content creators out there who say that this and that video of theirs was taken down or worse, shadow banned, right? Not not really even, it wasn't taken down, but it also wasn't being promoted to anybody. And for reasons that they just can't understand and any attempt to find out why results in more frustration because it doesn't get restored and it there's no explanation. Um, so so I, I really do think that the fundamental problem here is much more than just Twitter. Uh, and it'll be interesting to see where Musk thinks he can take it. Yeah. I mean, I, personally, I think a better way to go would be more... Um, more posts being taken down, but a better appeals process yes. uh, to match rather than fewer posts being taken down. Um, because, you know, I think an appeals, I think a lot of people would be very happy with a good appeals process on all these platforms, whether it's TikTok yes. or, you know, just a clear, here's what you, you know, your, your thing's been taken down. Here's where to go. Give us this information and we will, we'll, you know, we're going to do a just in time kind of thing here where mm-hmm. it's like your appeal comes in and we deal with it immediately. Right. You know, not a, you know, four days from now. I, I think there's a lot of algorithmic stuff going on there. I know somebody that posts a very tiny audience on TikTok and has complained that sometimes she posts a new video and like immediately she'll see like, Oh, it's got seven views. It's got 15 views, you know, and other times it'll be at zero for like 24 to 48 hours. Right. And, and, is it being shadow banned or is there an algorithm there that spotted something that was like, well, this needs to be reviewed by somebody or is it a glitch? <laughs> like it almost seems to me to be a glitch. If you ever use TikTok to post stuff, it just feels very glitchy as you're getting towards posting right. the entire process. And then all of a sudden you post it and it's like, ah, okay. There was a million little weird things I had to do. I and also have just- to wonder if it's related to, load of the moment, right? How yeah, busy yeah. is TikTok well, yeah. at the moment? Exactly. Exactly that kind of thing. You know, I mean, I've seen all sorts of stuff. Uh, I mean, in the early days of the video services, when YouTube was actually competing with like 20 different services, and I was using like all of them at the time, <laughs> uh, we're talking like 15 years ago, but there was, there were different 
ways that, you know, different software that these services use to process the video and to put it streaming online. And a lot of times on a lot of these services, sometimes it would go straight up and sometimes it would seem to get kicked to the back of the queue Mm -hmm. and just sit there forever. And to the point where you just basically took it down and then put a new one up and it was up immediately. And it's like, yeah, software like that is glitchy. Stuff gets delayed for weird reasons. I could, you know, I, I wouldn't mind, um, I, this is going to be the opposite of what's going to happen. You know, it isn't going to be a more stuff gets, uh, you know, caught in the net and there's a better appeals process. What's probably going to happen is that stuff just goes through like crazy, um, more so than in the past. Mm-hmm. But then Twitter starts to deal with issues, uh, but they're already dealing with, like I was saying before, I've seen stuff, people, normal people get banned for doing really just scratch your head. What it, this isn't even political. This is just fun stuff. Why? Why is this Twitter account banned? Right. And then major people like celebrities, politicians, clearly breaking the rules. Yes. Like you can actually read the rules and say, "Here's a rule. Here's this tweet. It is clearly, by any definition, violating this rule." Yet because this is a no well-known person, it's not being taken down until a lot of people complain. And months, months go by, and finally the account gets banned. Right. Uh, so. Twitter has a problem already. Will they replace it with a worse problem or will it get better? That's that's the free speech thing. Um, so it's actually an interesting segue, though, into one of the other issues you've got listed here as well. And that is um, Musk's promise to take the algorithm and make it open source. Mm-hmm. Um, that, I believe, fairly strongly, actually, would yes. be a mistake. I think that would be a huge mistake. And I think that the, the algorithm, uh, just like spam detection algorithms elsewhere, uh, they need to remain opaque. They need to be a black box simply because as soon as you make the rules obvious, then all of a sudden the spammers and the scammers of the world are given basically a set of instructions on how to skirt the rules because the rules are never all-inclusive. They simply can't be. So the bottom line is then they, the, you know, by, by producing, you know, here's what you do in order to get your stuff published, or conversely, here's what you do to get your stuff taken down. Like I said, it's a set of instructions for the folks wanting to post uh, questionable content. Mm. Yep. So... I don't know. And, and I, I, the only thing I'm sure of is that we will hear a lot about the process as it goes on because Musk doesn't keep quiet. <laughs> no, no, I he think doesn't. he'll be tweeting a lot about and, and talking on various podcasts and stuff about what he finds when he gets in there and really starts working. It's also going to be interesting to see. I don't think he's going to be CEO of Twitter. Like, I think I, I would be surprised. I think he's going to name a CEO. Mm-hmm. And probably mm-hmm. a bunch of other people at the top, mm-hmm. and then he's going to rule over them. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But uh, you know, so it's it would take a special kind of person to want to be CEO of Twitter, knowing you're not really CEO of Twitter. <laughs> uh, Elon Musk is, but you know, it, it, he'll leave you alone for weeks at a time to do whatever you want, and then suddenly appear and tell you exactly what to do. One but, of the really uh, interesting you know. things about where we are with respect to this story is simply that Musk absolutely has a track record. And his track record is of over-promising. 
So he's got all these wonderful ideas that he's talking about. Some of them wonderful, some of them not so mm-hmm. wonderful, but he's got all these ideas that he's talking about. Who knows how many of them, if any of them actually ever get addressed at some point in the future. Yeah, exactly. Or yeah, it's going to be interesting to see. Now there was I, one. Go ahead. Yeah, go ahead. <laughs> well, there was one step you you kind of stepped over. You mentioned it earlier, and that's this last one about authenticating all humans. Yes, I, I wanted I want to talk about that. Please uh, do. We, we didn't we didn't talk much about the open source algorithm thing. A little bit. I think everybody gets that. The uh, okay, authenticate real humans. So this could actually affect a lot of the stuff we've talked about before, and it's so overlooked in what people are talking about, especially when they're talking about free speech and they're talking about defeating the spam bots. The idea of authenticating all real humans. And this this is what he said, quote, authenticate all real humans, right? So this is right from him. Mm -hmm. This is interesting. So on Twitter now, Twitter is a highly unauthenticated social media platform. Unlike Facebook, which is pretty authenticated, like you're only supposed to have one account as one person, right? There could be company accounts and stuff like that, but Every person is supposed to have one account, and that's supposed to be it. You're not supposed to be hiding behind an alias or a fake name or anything. It's not always completely enforced, but it's far from it's supposed, it late, but it's yes. supposed to be that. Yep. Now, Twitter is almost the opposite. Open up as many accounts as you want. Make up uh, you know, uh, alternate personalities for yourself. Make up an account for your dog, your cat, yep. uh, your, your street, your house. <laughs> Make up uh, you know, fake celebrity accounts for fun your daily of choice or for malice uh you know come up with interesting ideas like having you know not the term twitter bot is thrown around i tend to think of a twitter bot as a fun thing like uh the mars rover you know well no mars rover is not a twitter bot mars rover is people posting as the object mars rover but a twitter bot would be something like uh let here i've i've put together all of the events of world war ii into a timeline and I'm created a Twitter bot that every 10 years plays them over and over again, you know, offset by right. the decades. So you can follow this Twitter account and by doing so kind of relive the day-to-day events of World War II. That would be an example of a Twitter bot. Mm-hmm. Another type of Twitter bot wouldn't be automatic, but would be something like, I think, uh, well, Kay has something like this, or sometimes host Kay. He's got one, I think, where you can tweet at a Twitter account some code for like the Atari 800 or something. Oh, that's right. And, and then it will, t- <laughs> it'll run the code, take a screenshot and tweet back to you a picture of the screenshot, right. which is a great example of a Twitter bot. Now I love those types of things. And I love that use for Twitter in general. I, I even have a, I have a Mac most account as well as my personal account. And the Mac most account is supposed to represent Mac most, which is just me. But the idea is that Mac most, you know, a new video was posted, uh, a new question was asked in the forum, all of that. It's like if you took my website and it came to life and it was posting to Twitter, it was like new stuff here. Um, the, I think the thing is that uh, with Twitter bots, if you authenticate users, then you have that question of what do you do with the Mars Rover Twitter account? What do you do mm-hmm. with the Twitter bot account that does some fun, cool thing? Because you certainly maybe you're trying to get at the Twitter bot that's evil, that's posting spam, or is pretending to be a person living in Ohio that has these political affiliate you know, uh, thoughts and is posting fake news all the time, right? It's not a real person. It's a Twitter bot. 
And so you want to get rid of those by making the accounts, you know, having the accounts authenticated as yes, this really is this person. Uh, I, in the past, I was worried that the fun part of Twitter would go away if everything was authenticated. Today, I'm of the, of the opinion that, well, if the fun part of Twitter has to go away to save democracy, then so be it. <laughs> um, like it's, no, it's, it's okay. There's, you, there's lines in between, right? There, I think there, there's, this is, again, one of those things that gets a little bit more complex and nuanced when you take a closer look. Mm -hmm. um, authenticating all real humans is great. It, it provides um, a level of accountability, which I think is yes. a lot of what people want out of this. Right. However, it also removes uh, the ability to be truly anonymous. And an anonymity is actually an important concept in many, many different situations. It's one of the reasons that um, anonymous email still has to exist. And I think it's one of the ways that uh, Twitter does add value. Now, can Twitter live without anonymity? Probably. Um, but it is something that I think um, adds some value. Twitter bots, I think, are easy to solve. And I say that simply because um, you know, if you've got a Twitter bot, let's say Kay has a Twitter bot, um, all that would really have to happen is some kind of um, uh, authentication, some kind of accountability associated with that Twitter bot that says, okay, this Twitter bot is created by this Twitter user who is a real person. That's all it really takes, right? Yeah, but sometimes uh, you don't it, want that. Um, sometimes you have an idea for a funny Twitter account that you know that you don't necessarily want tied to you why because you're the vice president of sales yeah. or you know <laughs> this this company and right. and if 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 you know your weird sense of humor but i'm not uh, even saying that this that this whatever. association necessarily needs to be public right all it really needs is that yeah. twitter needs confidence that there's a real person and that they if they need to find out um, who that real person is, they can. Uh, does that limit, you know, what you what you might be willing to risk in your in your thing? Sure, probably. But um, but that that's more along the lines of of of, of costs I'd be willing to pay um, in the sense of you know it does this save democracy? Does this save humanity? Um, but I don't think it has to be either or, all or nothing. Well, there are also you could break down how you see tweets into three categories. One is that you look at your feed and see people that you follow, right? The other is you look at, I guess, the general feed and you see people that you don't necessarily follow, but the algorithm has determined that this is a, an important tweet that you, or something you may be interested in. Mm -hmm. And the third way is none of those. You just go directly to the Twitter account to see its feed. So in other words, you're not following that person, but you're going to that account directly. So you could do something where, okay, if an account's going to be unauthenticated, right? It's going to be thrown out there. It's anonymous. It's, a, it's a, basically a standard Twitter account. Now you just, you create it with a fake email address and start tweeting. Right. Then it will never be shown on like a general feed. And you could even go one step further and say, you can't even follow it. You could go to that Twitter account and see it. So if it's like, the account that's recreating World War II history, or a you know somebody who's got an alter ego that's a comedian that wants to post funny stuff, you could go to theirs and it's there for everybody to see. People can link to it and say, "You got to check out this Twitter feed; it's really funny." But if you try to follow it, it says, "Sorry, this is an unauthenticated account. You could only follow accounts that are verified to belong to a person." Right. And then you say, "Okay, so I have my regular feed here, and I've got like four bookmarks 
of these unauthenticated accounts that I like to check out every once in a while for a laugh or because they're kind of cool or interesting in some way. Um, and, and that would cut down a lot on, I guess, the, the social media disease of like fake information being right. thrown around and right. brainwashing people. It would also be important not to be able to retweet them. But yeah. 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 Okay. So yeah, no retweets. You can't, uh, but you, you could still go and look at the page. It's just that you can't do anything else really with it. Right. Except look at the page if it's unauthenticated. If you want people to be able to follow you or follow that account, then you go through the process of either saying, this is me, this is my account, or I own this account. This is me. I'm, I'm responsible for it. And, you know, all of that. And then it's like, oh, okay. Now you can, you can be followed and potentially uh, be recommended you know, either you or the tweets, uh, mm -hmm. to other people, because mm -hmm. you're, you're, you're real and accountable. And that could cut down a lot of this stuff. And especially of course, you know, the fake, um, uh, not the bots, but the, the, you know, the accounts that are, <laughs> you know, being run by people to seed false information and, and brainwash people and all of that. Right. Uh, you right. can cut down on that a lot because, you know, even if the accounts get through initially, the idea is, oh, wait a minute, we've, you know, in our little control room here, we have determined that here's some false information being spread by an account. It's a verified account, but as soon as we started looking into it, we saw that they faked a bunch of information. Mm -hmm. So right away, we could just shut that down. Right. We don't have to say, oh, well, technically the tweet was false, but it was an opinion. No, no, no. You lied on the verification page. Right. That's all. You you said you were, you know, John Doe who lived in Ohio. And we found out there's no such person. The account is gone, you know, not this, because of what you tweeted, but because of this rule that you broke. This actually goes back to the moderation discussion we were having earlier, where this is one of those things where front end, there's algorithms probably trying to make the first cut of this, mm -hmm. but it's more people doing hands-on work um, to, to ensure, because a lot of this stuff is not stuff you're going to be able to code into an algorithm. Right. But, you know, you could still have different, you know, uh, you know, somebody reports uh, enough, a uh, few people report a tweet as being false, then it kicks an algorithm to check out the account verification. Yes. If the algorithm can't, you know, verify through various ways, you know, 90% of the time you could verify that it is a real person or not. And then the 10% of the time it's like, mm, I can't figure it out. It then gets kicked to a room of humans right. that actually then have to go and do something and say, we need to hear my task for the next five minutes is to figure out if this person is real. and uh, make a decision on that and either, you know, ban the account or not, but hopefully that person, you know, you can keep that room of people pretty small because you have all these other things. And then sometimes a mistake is made and it gets kicked back to that person and they have a way to go and say, Oh no, no, no. I, uh, boy, I changed my name when I got married and, and then I moved and no, this right. is really me and sorry. And, and then, you know, the next day the accounts reinstated our apologies. I think that one of the things that, that you're probably underestimating and I think yeah. that this is true for uh, pretty much all of the online services is when we take a look at, at things like even account recovery, but also things like moderation and, and appeals and that kind of stuff. Um, even with some amount of, of automation or AI or whatever you want to call it, um, there's still going to be a need for people. There's still going to be a need for uh, people to contact, people to make decisions, people to undo decisions, all that kind of stuff. And I think that companies generally, not only are they not interested in investing heavily in those kind of people, 
But I think everybody pretty much underestimates how many people it really takes to do that job. Um, I don't think that, uh, certainly not today, uh, like I said earlier, AI is not the answer. It may be 90% of the answer, but I think that that other 10% is still pretty darned big and takes a lot of people to to do right. Yeah, I, I, I kind of agree with you, but I also know that there are companies that hire massive amounts of people to do things like customer service. And, you know, there the whole, the whole thing of having hundreds and hundreds of people doing customer service, maybe thousands of people doing customer service, uh, just so you don't lose cable subscribers, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, on the one hand and having thousands of people maybe doing it so that, you know, you have a service that people can trust, like, you know, you know, that can authenticate people's accounts and stuff like that. I, I mean, I think they're comparable. I think if big companies can have huge customer service departments, then they could also have, you know, this actually goes back to the revenue model, right? I mean, the the companies that tend to not have great customer service people are the companies that don't invest in people tend to be the companies that offer their services for free. Like like Google, I'll just go for, you know, like uh, Gmail, there's no customer support you can talk to for Outlook. There's no customer support you can talk to. Um, And that's because you're not paying, right? If you're paying, then typically there is an opportunity. Twitter is the same thing right now, right? It's a free service and um, you're not paying for, uh, for the ability to use the service. Maybe that becomes one of the differentiators. I know that in many services, uh, the various tiers of payment plans from free to premium to business to whatever, uh, generally involve escalating levels of customer service. And this might be one of the ways that this happens on a Twitter-like platform. It says, you know what? If you're a free account, yeah, you know what? If, you're, if your tweet gets removed, Sorry, you know we could get it wrong. Uh, we try not mm-hmm. to. We could get it wrong, but if we do, sorry, that's you know you're not paying for this. On the other hand, as soon as you're paying for it, then you're probably funding perhaps a little bit better oversight. Yep, yep, and I don't know. There's I haven't fully thought this through, but like Twitter's Twitter's item product item or whatever is a tweet. I mean that's what they that's what their thing is. Their widget is. Um, so the idea is you tweet something and you may or may not want that to reach as many people as you possibly can. Uh, depends. I mean, you may just want it to be your 10 friends that see your tweet. Mm-hmm. Um, and you may want it to be, Oh, when I tweet, I would love if one day, instead of a hundred people reading it, it was hundred million people reading it. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's just, it's still just a tweet. You're not selling the tweet. So the, I, it's a little different than say a book on Amazon, a book on Amazon. If you know, 10 people buy your book that you self-publish on Amazon, you know, you'd rather have it be 10 million people buy the book that you self-publish on Amazon. It's an actual phys- either physical object or virtual object. It's something that value that people pay money for. But a tweet right. is going to be consumed for free no matter what. So maybe there's some sort of thing where, yeah, if, if you ever want your tweet to be seen by 10 million people, um, <laughs> you're not going to you're not going to do that with a free account. Like right. you'd be better be like one of our premium one hundred or one thousand dollar accounts that you know uh, news organizations and companies have. Well, it doesn't even have to be that extreme, right? It could be you know what the people that pay us a buck a month or four bucks a month or whatever it is, yeah, they'll have a better chance. Um, or and as you you mentioned this one earlier, it's very possible that you know what. My free account, I post a tweet, and one of these massive news organizations retweets it. 
you know, mission accomplished, right? I've been seen by a hundred million people. Yeah, exactly. Because that still could happen. You said yep. there's still a possibility. And that's, you know, the way it always was for, yes. I mean, if you go back to our childhoods, right? You couldn't just, oh, I, I Xeroxed a piece of paper and <laughs> I'm going to hand it out to my friends. And I hope everybody in the world sees it. But, you know, if somebody in a news organization picks it up and decided to republish it, then that could happen. But it was up to that news organization to publish it in the newspaper or on television, you know, and even in centuries before in pamphlets and in other other ways, um, you kind of had to go up these tiers, right? You couldn't go directly from you to millions of people, right? It kind of had to go to the one level above, maybe the local news, and then one level above that, maybe national news, and then maybe it, you know, even picked up around the world. And maybe that's fine. Uh, I mean, certainly it's like, I can't see a good reason why, you know, it has to be either way, but I don't know. We'll see. We'll see. It's exciting. It certainly has brought Twitter uh, back to the front of a lot of things. And what what I find funny is um, the uh, various Twitter alternatives that are out there. Oh Um, yeah. There there are several, Mm -hmm. Uh, but I think we've tried them. Uh, we've tried them. There's a couple that I just I signed on to last night, uh, oh. just because I hadn't heard of it before. Um, and this morning it was down because it was crushed under the load of all the people <laughs> that were setting up accounts in case they decided to leave Twitter. And that's actually the th- the thing that I'm I'm seeing, and I think we're in the same boat, where a lot of people are uh, they're not necessarily leaving Twitter. I mean, some are for sure, but they're not necessarily leaving Twitter. On the other hand, they are open to the possibility and preparing for the possibility. So they're opening up you know, accounts on some of these alternative uh, services just to see, A, what they look like, how they operate, and B, to have a place to go um, if if they decide that Twitter has become something that they can no longer stand. Uh, it's... It, you know, it's the old Chinese curse. May you live in interesting times. Somebody has definitely cursed us. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Yep. Um, so to move on to different forms of pillaging, um, mm-hmm. the uh, ain't it cool? So what we've been watching uh, a couple of weeks ago, we ended up watching Vikings Valhalla, and that's on Netflix. Mm. Um, it actually covers a, a period of time. Apparently, there was a. Uh, uh, a time like around a thousand, the year thousand, where uh, the British basically tried to wipe out all of the uh, the Vikings or Northerners uh, that had established, basically taken up residence in the northeast part of England. Uh, they wiped them all out, and of course, retribution happens and so forth. It's an interesting show. Very bloody, very gory, but very gritty. Mm. But we we definitely enjoyed it. What that reminded us of, though, is that there was this other series called Vikings. So Vikings is the original series. There are like five episodes or five um, uh, seasons of it, maybe six. Um, and Vikings Valhalla is actually a, uh, technically it would be a sequel, different characters, etc. Anyway, we're in the middle of watching uh, Vikings season one, and we're really enjoying it. We we are uh, enthralled. Same thing. It's very gritty. It's very uh, you know bloody. It's very, to my understanding, it's relatively accurately portraying what life was like then, um, with the exception of not everybody was speaking English. Even the <laughs> English weren't speaking the English yeah, we speak really. today. Um, and oh, there was one in the last the episode we saw last night where they were asking for. 
Um, I think it was what, 2000 pounds of gold. And at first I thought, well, pounds, this is England. They're not asking for pounds sterling. No, they're asking for pounds and weight. Okay, great. Except I don't think the pound existed then. <laughs> right? <laughs> I don't think that unit of measurement had yet been invented. But like I said, it's, it's been interesting. It's been fun. Um, I'm trying to remember, did you watch, um, first of all, have you seen Vikings? No. Have you seen Raised by Wolves? Yes. The main character in at least the first seasons of Vikings, and I think um, the subsequent seasons of that first series, um, is someone you will recognize from Raised by Wolves, and you'll see that he has a very distinctive style that carries through in both. Um, oh, we, were, okay. we were very, very impressed with it. So if you end up watching Vikings, you'll, like I said, you'll say, oh, that's, it's, it's, it's that guy. Yeah. Okay, cool. Um, we've been watching, uh, we're finishing up, uh, the second season, cause there's only two seasons of a show called imposters that, uh, was from a few years ago and it's on Netflix. And, uh, I don't know what it originally was on, but it's now on Netflix. Uh, it's a good show about, um, you know, some, uh, a group of con people who, uh, you know, uh, run these cons and then the people that they conned are now coming after them. And um, it's kind of a, it's a neat kind of thriller type of show, but it's very light as well. Uh, a lot of funny kind of circumstances that they get into that um, keeps it from being super serious. Cool. So, but it, it moves pretty quickly. And, mm -hmm. um, and uh, we have like two episodes left on the second season and that was all that they made of it. So, but fun, uh, especially if you, you know, you like the whole, you know, we both talk about how we like shows like Leverage and everything like that, yes. which by the way, Leverage, the, the new Reborn Leverage, I think got renewed for a second season. I thought I saw a post by one of the actors saying that they were in the middle of filming. Yeah. So, so, yeah. so we have that first new season, which was really good. It had some new additions. It was really good. And now they're going to continue with it. So that's, that's great. More Leverage. I did want to clarify real quickly on Vikings. Vikings, the series, the original series is on Amazon Prime. Vikings oh. Valhalla is on Netflix, and oh, I don't understand the distribution scenario here, but yeah. it, is what it, it is what it is. Yeah. As always, we don't have any sponsorships, so we get to tell you about articles we would like you to take a look at. Mine this week is, you are not too old for technology. Askleo.com slash 144817. This is one of my pet peeves, and I suspect you may get this as well from time to time. I get people who say they're too old for oh, what yeah. I'm telling them. I get people who introduce their questions by saying I'm old, etc., using it as an excuse, as a crutch, as whatever. Um, you're not. There may be other issues, don't get me wrong, but don't use age as the excuse. If you use that as the excuse, you're finished before you even start. Yep. Uh, and for me, I will, um, I did a video this week, uh, called seven Mac keyboard shortcuts to forget <laughs> and what to use instead. So I, I, I need to go I, see what I need to forget. I could use the room. I mean, usually I'm talking about, here's some more keyboard shortcuts you need to know. And I thought, wouldn't it be interesting if I did some uh, a video on keyboard shortcuts that you shouldn't know. And then it occurred to me <laughs> that that's actually a valid thing because I see people using say, for instance, one of the seven, is the old keyboard shortcuts for doing screenshots. Oh, and there's uh -huh. a new keyboard shortcut that kind of replaces all of those. I still see people recommending right. the old shortcut. I'm like, oh, no, no, no. Don't tell somebody who doesn't know how to take a screenshot to use that old one. 
tell them to use the new one because then everything is there and, they, and it makes sense and all that. So then I came up with actually a bunch of different ones that you know people still use these shortcuts. Forget about those. There's other ones that actually may be better for what you're doing. Awesome. Awesome. Yep. I'm going to have to look through that list and see if there's anything that uh, that I should tell our Windows folks to uh, to forget. Like I said, yeah. I can always use more room to learn other things. And I'm sure on Windows, there's the same thing. I'm sure there's some old oh, yeah. old little apps and old shortcuts and things people have been using for years. And there's better ways to do it that are newer. Yep. yep. That, I'm, yeah. you're, you're absolutely right. All righty. Well, I think that wraps us up for this week. The show notes are at tehpodcast.com slash teh162. If you've got a comment or a question for us, by all means, please do leave us a comment on the show notes page. As always, thanks for listening, and we will see you here again next week. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye.